Today's podcast is sponsored by OSV. OSV, a corporate sponsor of NCEA, provides religion curriculum and fundraising services so all students and staff will understand, grow in, and live their faith. At the core of everything we do are the values we hold dear, integrity and trust, offering creative and innovative solutions, and above all, promoting a distinctly Catholic identity. We would be honored to partner with your school in this shared mission. Please visit us at osv.com. Welcome to the NCEA podcast. I'm your host today, Colleen McCoy-Sika, and I'm the Director of Professional Learning for NCEA. It is an honor to be joined by someone who speaks the messages of equity and inclusion and Catholic mission so eloquently. My guest today is Dr. Brandy Odom-Lucas. Dr. Odom-Lucas is the principal of Burbam Day High School in Los Angeles. And she leads with equity in mind to ensure that students are able to thrive academically, emotionally, and spiritually in a rigorous and supportive environment. She also works collaboratively with uh, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and also the dioceses of San Diego and San Jose to ensure places of belonging for all students. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So thank you for joining me and welcome to the podcast, Dr. Brandy Odom-Lucas. Well, thank you for having me. What an amazing introduction. Thank you for that. <laughs> Your introduction, um, it, it, it's kind of a buildup. So you've got, you've got some things to talk about. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> well, let's start with the easy stuff. Why don't, you, why don't you just talk a little bit about your, your background. Tell us about the high school, Verbum Day High School that you lead, and uh, where it is. Tell us who you serve, and, and then tell us what brought you there. So, so give us your background and, and why you lead there. Absolutely. Uh, so Verbum Day High School is such an amazing place. Um, people have, have shared that when they got on campus, they felt like they were on holy ground, and, and that's exactly what you feel. Um, Father Foley, uh, a Jesuit priest out of Chicago, uh, started the Cristo Rey Network uh, over 25 years ago when he saw that, you know, we, we better start thinking of creative ways to ensure that Catholic education can be experienced by all students, including those who might not be able to afford it. Um, and through his vision and through his hard work, he created a network whereby students work uh, one day a week in order to offset the cost of their tuition. And so um, I am in Los Angeles um, and where the average tuition for uh, schools in the surrounding area can go from you know 900 to 2000 a month. And Verbum Day's tuition is $270. And that is because we have such amazing partners partners that have um, come on board and really, really helped us ensure that this amazing program uh, can be experienced by students regardless of whether they have um, the financial means to be able to afford it or not. And so, you know, we're talking about Raytheon, we're talking about Torrance Memorial Healthcare, Salisbury Industry, Jones Day. I mean amazing, amazing um, 
corporate partners who have signed on to say, yes, I want your son, your, your students to work with us. I can see them as admin assistants. Um, I can see them helping out in human resources. And our students get down there and they change the culture. They make the culture more fun. They make the culture more young, right? Many of us need that kind of young energy. But they also give companies that sense that they are mentoring and helping out the next generation. Um, and so that really is what brought me to Brevum Day, this idea that there's this kind of innovative uh, way of doing schooling rooted in the Jesuit tradition, which means it's rooted in equity, it's rooted in inclusion, it's rooted in looking at the strengths of the students, it's rooted in a belief that the students can and will change the world. Um, and so those two things, this innovative corporate work study program, as well as um, us doing this in a faith-based con faith based context, a Jesuit context, really sold me on education. Mm -hmm. And instead of going to medical school, the Lord was like, no, you stay right there. And, and, I've, and, <laughs> and that's what I did. Yeah. You're going to save lives in different ways. You go right here. That's uh -huh. right. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. So um, I didn't. I actually did not realize I'm from the Archdiocese of Chicago, and I've known about the the Cristo Rey network for many many years, and I did not realize that it originated in Chicago. I thought that was just something you know. Maybe I just took that for granted. I I didn't know that. So now I know. All right. So uh, Brandy, I I recently heard you speak at a conference, and it, this is what made me reach out to you. Um, you know, I I've actually followed you a little bit on um, on social media and things. So I, I knew who you were, but I had not heard you speak before. And so when I heard you speak at this conference in San Diego a few weeks ago, um, you know, it was just really touching. It was really fantastic. And some of the things that you said, um, what I loved about your talk is you you really made some people some people cringe. And you know, the, the context of this conference was after after the talks were given we had some processing time at the tables and so to be able to sit with other people and and marinate in the really difficult things the, you know the the hard work of of mm -hmm. just the the ideas that you put before us um it, it was it was great and so the idea of diversity is what you were tackling and and what you said was that diversity should not be the goal for schools and this was an inclusion conference so inclusion programs you know that's not what the goal is supposed to be so can you can you elaborate on that for for the listeners explain what that means and what are catholic schools supposed to be making the real goals yeah it's, it, you know it's an interesting idea right you have this i you have this thought of like you know we as Catholic school leaders, Catholic schools, we open our doors to everyone. All God's children um, are loved and cherished. And yet and still, we have somehow um, really created these educational institutions that are only serving a small part of the population, whether that's because of the students' financial resources, whether that's because of, you know, the, the segregation that's now in, in our schools. And what we've done is we've allowed that to passively exclude students that we're supposed to be serving. So I, I think what I was trying to get across at the conference is that if, if Catholics, Catholic schools should be leading 
um, inclusion, but not in a a research based. You know, this is inclusion. We can take the one student that has um, diverse needs, or we can take. You know, we have five percent of our students who are from a different socioeconomic background, or we have. You know. 20% of our students from this particular uh, country or this particular holds this particular racial background. But really our goal as Catholic school leaders is to create schools and programs to where anyone can come. That we're not scrambling to fix, create, um, establish pathways to achievement and success for this one student, but that we have created a program and programs that no matter what, any student can can attend and can succeed. And I recognize that that is, that can be very pie in the sky, right? Like, of course, yeah, so what does that mean? What that means is that we, we, we create educators that are able to deal with a variety of, of learning needs and learning challenges instead of waiting for that child to be at our doorstep, right? Um, during the pandemic, there was this, I, all of this talk about what are teachers gonna do? There's so much trauma happening. We're in a pandemic. What are teachers gonna do in order to meet their students' needs? But any principal will tell you that our teachers have been dealing with trauma well before the pandemic, right? Yes. But how many of us waited until the pandemic to ta start talking about um, SEL? Mm -hmm. How many of us waited until the pandemic to start talking about trauma-informed education? And so my goal was to say, let's stop waiting until someone knocks on our door and, and, and we grant them access to our schools. And instead, let's make schools that are aligned to to, to what we know Jesus Christ is all about and what he teaches, right? Um, he said, let the children come unto me and forbid them not, right? So how do we go about making a school or making schools that are ready for whatever students desire to be in our schools? And that way we're leading from a place of strength as opposed to trying to catch up once the school, once the student knocks on our door. So, you know, often, Oh, my, my mind goes in so many different directions. But um, what, I, what I think about is the disposition of the people that, that must be in your school. This requires um, the, the openness, the, the utter and complete understanding of what Catholic mission is and the flexibility of all of your faculty and staff to know, um, you know, we, we, we just provide what students need and, and whatever that need is, that's what we provide. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, and that's just what you do. That's how, how you conduct business at your school. That's the norm. Um, how, how do you find those people? Those people are, those are not, um, that's not a disposition that is found everywhere. So is that, um, the people who maybe seek out your your school um, are, are looking for that type of community? Hmm. Such a good question. <laughs> um, you know, I think there is a certain type of um, Ignatian educator or educator, Jesuit educator that seeks to um, set the world on fire, right? Seeks yeah. to... Um, 
the God's kingdom coming is not something far away, right? Once mm -hmm. we get to heaven, that they're they're seeking to use their talents to bring that up, that about today. And so I I'm blessed that the context that I work in is one in which that that type of person, a person who has been Jesuit educated, mm -hmm. naturally looks for that. But I also say that there, uh, I think that all educators start off like that, right? I think when you're, when you're like, mm -hmm. you know what, I'm, I'm being called to teach. Mm -hmm. I think you're being called to teach that because you want in some way to heal. You want in some way to, to use whatever talents and gifts God has given you and, 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 and help have that help someone else. And I've been very blessed. My, my, the faculty and staff at Verbum Day is amazing, but I also think we've been given, there's a privilege there and we've been given the, the time, the, the resources, um, in order to make that happen. There's, you know, there, there's never a question of what's the priority. Is it the AP exam or is it the student that is, mm. you know, having a, a hard time? It's very, very clear. And I think, that, that also helps. That helps me as a leader. That helps the teachers. Um, and then I think, you know, you know I, I think we have to just acknowledge this is hard work. Um, you know, this this work of social justice, and to be clear, um, I, this is absolute work of social justice, right? This is, this is equity. This is what equity is. And it's not clean, you know? I don't go home like, you know, I drop you know, poured a little in the equity box today. You know what I mean? There's there's this tension. When I, when the decision is made to um, do something that's more aligned with SEL or the, the decision that we have that, you know, every student goes on retreats and that's pulling, you know, X number of days out of the academic uh, calendar. Mm -hmm. um, when those decisions are made, there's a trade-off. And I think that um, you're look you're also looking for for educators who recognize that there's no check big enough that will solve all the social justice needs, all the equity needs, right? There's no there's no conversion of hearts. We we can't we, we, we can't wait for everybody's heart to be converted, right? The the heart conversion is 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 the work of God. God is asking you to flip over some tables here, right? He'll handle the conversion of hearts. And so I think this idea of like, just recognizing that this is hard work and you and your faith um, will be challenged and tested, but you get up every day and, and keep pushing. I think that, that that helps a little bit. That that's the, that's the part of the Verbum Day faculty and staff that is consistent with all of us. We're, we're really, really strong in our own kind of professional uh, content area. We, we know our content very, very well, but we all have this faith that if I just do my, my job, God will come in and do the rest. Um, Cause this is not easy work at all. No, it's not for the faint of heart. I, I love that. God is asking you to flip over some tables here. He will yeah. touch the hearts. Uh -huh. That is, that is fantastic. Okay. Um, so I was referring to the, the conference that we were at and, uh, you know, it was an inclusion conference and, you know, we use the word inclusion. I, I, I've been doing training on 
um, inclusion for many years. And I, you, you probably know as well as I do, the term inclusion means different things to different people. It means different mm -hmm. things to different audiences, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, often when I'm doing trainings, I'm talking about academic inclusion for for persons with disabilities. It's a very specific thing that I'm talking about, but mm -hmm. inclusion is, is a much bigger term than that, right? So your beliefs are rooted in, in that, but also so much more. So I just remember in your talk, you stated that schools do what they were set up to do. And you, you wanted us to marinate on that a little bit. And you said schools achieve what schools were set up to achieve. The implication there is that there's a lot more work to do Mm -hmm. in order for schools to be equitable. So <laughs> can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny. I ended my class at LMU uh, that I teach with the same statement. Schools are, are, are achieving what they were designed to achieve. Um, they were designed to, um, they were never meant for a, a variety of learners at all. They were not, they were never meant for a variety of cultures and races, religions, that's not how they were set up. They were meant to determine which of these kids, which were predominantly, which were always white, right? Which of these kids are, are doing it the fastest? And the ones that are doing it the fastest are going to get the A's and the ones that are doing it the slowest are gonna get the F's and that's it, right? I was I was luckily lucky enough to be in the the red reading club which told the entire school that I was a fast reader which is great until you're in the purple reading club and you are made to feel like there's something wrong with you and so you're less than. Yep. exactly yep. and mm -hmm. so when you think about that when you just when you take time to think about even within your own schooling the this kind of um, undercurrent of of performance being those that perform the quickest being the, the better student and those that perform and those that are more verbal right those sure. that are more um you know left brain if you will being the better student and all the other students not you recognize that including them in a system like that is pro probably shouldn't be our, shouldn't be our goal what really needs to happen is we need to really decide on a different system. Why would I want to include a, somebody in that system? Why would I want to take this student who I know has different learning needs and give them access to a classroom where they will be reminded in various subtle, overt and covert ways that they are somehow less than. So that's, that can't be the goal. The goal has to be some sort of radical, um, flipping of tables, if you will, mm -hmm. that is rooted in this radical love of truth telling and saying to, um, saying to our colleagues, no, that doesn't work. You know, I had the, I was blessed a couple of years ago to read um, Grading for Equity, which if you've never read, please read the book. It okay. is one, Feldman is the author, amazing book. And he really challenges you on this notion of homework. And so here I go, I've read, highlighted, bookmarked, I'm ready. And I'm like, oh, my my school, my, my colleagues are gonna love this. And present it to colleagues. And we had all been so conditioned that homework is a part of school. That a school with no homework is not a school. Hmm. 
that there's something wrong. Their homework has got to be a part of it. Um, that it took us a while. It took many, many of many colleagues, many of my colleagues, a while to go. You know what? I am favoring. I always throw in my son Nico. Um, I'm like Nico would would be the valedictorian in most Catholic schools because his mom is going to grade his assignment before the teacher ever gets it, <laughs> right? And I think many of us have many of us have done that, particularly when we know our our child is maybe on the you know takes a little bit, needs a little bit more motivation. Sure. Maybe you don't do that with, you know, the child that is on it and, and we grade it and then the, the child gets a great grade and we're good. But what happens, what happens when the parent at home doesn't speak English or what happens when the parents work multiple jobs and they're not even at home to grade the assignment? Or what if, what if there is no parent at home? I mean, so we are naturally just in, in, and then of course homework is, that that's a huge shift, but just in, as that is an example kind of sh shows you where we are favoring an inequitable system, not because we believe in it, but because it's always been done. And so I challenge this idea that we wanna include students into something that we recognize is broken into something that we recognize is only beneficial for a certain type of student, a certain, a student that has a certain amount of resources. And what is so pointed to me about that, I'm, I'm taking notes as you're talking, and so the things that I'm thinking about, um, so if we favor an inequitable system, what, what we do is we teach the children what, what they're actually learning, um, the, the kind of hidden curriculum there is that there is a human hierarchy. And at the top, the top of the hierarchy are the kids that, that, that have more, that, that can do more, that can read faster, that have more supports, that whatever the case may be, but we're actually teaching people that it's not the quality of the person, that it's, it's the ability or it's the achievement or it's something else that makes them better than others. Is that what you're getting? Is that what you're getting to? That's, that's kind of, that's, that's where my I brain think, is going with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that there's a social aspect to that and, and mm -hmm. we are doing damage, but I also think about what that looks like five, 10 years, 15 years from now, mm -hmm. right? So maybe not so much in Catholic schools, right? But particularly in public schools, you'll have a situation where now the, the student that, you know, he, he goes into high school, he had, the, the child had been put in um, um, maybe a lower level math class. So now he's not ready for algebra one. He takes pre-algebra again in ninth grade. So now he's graduating with only three years of math instead of four, which limits the his college Option. opportunities, yeah. right? I mean, I think that there's, it's yeah. more than just that social aspect. It's yeah. this how, by by us not acknowledging the the how resources, come into play in our programs, we're actually replicating the same inequities mm -hmm. that we, we're we saying we're standing against, right? We're, we're saying, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, but it's the system itself. I Now I now I hear what you're saying. It's the system itself that is that is causing some of those blocks. Correct, and we as, as Catholic school leaders, we as leaders of faith then need to be able to call out that system and name it Mm -hmm. And name it for name it with our colleagues so that we are all sensitive about 
whether that is being replicated in the athletic program, in the English class, in the math class, right? We all have to have eyes towards equity. It's not enough for me to do it because I was educated in the same system that they were. So I have an equal chance to not see it, to not see its impact on the school community. And so all of us in the building need to be able to name that so that we are able to um, work together to extinguish it when it sneaks up. And it will sneak up yeah. every year. Every year it sneaks up in a different form because it's literally that pervasive. Mm. Mm, so much to think about. So uh, this is, uh, clearly you're very passionate about this and you said you're, you're also a professor at LMU, but you work with other dioceses too. So um, how, how do you take the work that, that you do at your school and and your your personal experiences and your beliefs, and you work with other partnerships, other dioceses. Um, and what do you hope to achieve by doing that through your leadership and your consultation? How is that working? Hmm. You know, I I I think we've gotten so familiar with kind of these large equity issues that come up. So, you know, a student that doesn't have money for a uniform, right? We'll say, oh, okay, no, no, no. We gotta make sure that the student has what they need. We'll come together as a school community and do that. Um, a, a student who doesn't have money to play sports but desires that, we'll come together um, and, and work together to make sure that the student has access to that aspect of the school program. I think what worries me is if we keep this going, we're gonna start cherry picking um, kind of who gets support and who doesn't, right? The quiet kid kind of is the one hungry at lunch and nobody sees because sure. they don't know how to ask. And so I think when I'm working with the different dioceses, first I'm hoping to just kind of slow principles down and give them opportunities to reflect and opportunities to to look more deeply in their at their mission and what they're doing um, I, I, if I'm honest, I hope I, I make them a tad bit uncomfortable because I think that that's good. I think yes, um, uh, the we're, we, we're getting a new president uh, this upcoming school year, and I was talking to him today, and Father Travis said, you know, if there's like eight people at the table and everybody agrees, that, that might not be the best thing. That you know what I mean? That is not good, yes. And, and, and so, you know, really challenge them to see things um, as they are and not as we would hope them to be. And I think that we have a little bit of that sometimes, particularly in faith-based communities. We want, we, you know, we, we, whatever we can't tackle, we, that's when we give it to God. You know what I mean? Like, yes. We're just going to pray. We're going to, we're going to pray about that guys. We're not, we don't want you to do anything right now. We just want you to pray about it. It's like, no, there are things that we can do right now in order to ensure that the, the lives and the, families of the students that we're serving are better. And it's really at the level of the principal that though that vision needs to start being created. And so I think those are my two areas, right? Like give them an opportunity to slow down um, and then challenge them a little bit um, to, to bring out that mission in a way that it might make folks uncomfortable. It might make a few teachers uncomfortable, a, a few parents uncomfortable, but you know it's the right thing to do because it's what God called you to do. 
Very well said. It, what I think is great is um, the way we're going to end this conversation is the way we started the conversation before I ever even hit record to start doing this podcast. I was telling you about a conversation that I just had with my son over the <laughs> weekend because I have a son who is a senior in high school and he really did not want to have to take the AP English test this week. And so he worked very hard to convince me that he should not have to take the AP test. And so I had to do an hour long pep talk explaining to him many things. But what it came down to was it doesn't matter what score you get on this test, son. We just do hard things because that that's the people that we are. We, we don't quit. We don't walk away when it gets hard. We get uncomfortable and we mm. grow through discomfort. And Brandy, I'm, I'm telling you, that's, that's what really, it, it kind of drew me to you at that conference was you made us grow a little bit through discomfort. Wow. And so maybe that's your gift. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let me call my husband right now. Write <laughs> this down. This is great. Oh, but thank you so much. I, I want to thank you both for, um, you know, really for the great inspiration uh, in San Diego when I first heard you, but also for the conversation today. I'm so appreciative of your time. It's May. You're a high school principal. So for you to be able to take, you know, 30 minutes and speak to me like this, um, I, I really appreciate your time. I know how hard that is. Oh, this has been great. Thank you so much for for everything that you've said and giving me a little bit more gas because May is long. I think May is longer this year. I can't prove it, but I think May is longer. So I appreciate you for that. Blessings, blessings to you. And, and, and may we continue to work towards uh, the world that we know God would have us Absolutely. be about. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for joining me and for all you do in your ministry. And thank you so much to our listeners as well from all of us at the NCEA podcast. Thank you.